Hello and welcome to episode the 21st of Tamper Tantrum. I am, as always, your host, uh, Colin Harmon of, um, I've got to say, average height and indistinct build. Is that fair? But I think you're very, very gentle. That, that's also fair. That's a nice way of saying I'm just a little wuss, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now, you I... are always the gentle giant to me, Colin, and uh, you will remain so forever. Yes, I will. Um... Yeah, so uh, we're we're good to our word. Well, actually, we're not good to our word. I got sick last week, so we couldn't do a podcast. But a podcast of me coughing would have been shit. Well, I, I think we don't have a lot to talk about. So I think a podcast every two weeks is pretty good if we can kind of stick to that. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I was actually, this is going off on a mad tangent as well, but when you start exercising, you have to tell everybody on Instagram and Facebook and I've been really, really good at running lately and doing lots of running and really getting back into it. And then I had to, like, I've, I haven't run for two weeks and it's really, really starting to get to me. So that was the other disappointing thing that happened to me in the last two weeks. Well, we are training for the uh, the half marathon, aren't we, in Wicklow? And yeah. um, I haven't been running at all because I've been traveling. So I, I did a couple of little tiny runs, but my... I, we're going to be so bad around that course it will not end well this is like this is kind of simple i think you'll see a lot of our business relationship in in my approach to this like i haven't ran in <clears throat> about two and a half years and then some my wife suggested that maybe you should do like a 5k in march or april so i signed up to a not only a half marathon but a half marathon of trail running which is um yeah just way more I'd say optimistic than I probably should have been. Does that resonate? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's going to be my first half marathon on trial as well. So I'm, I'm not sure what to expect because I find it's very difficult to train for trail running, living in Stafford. There's not a lot of trails. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's like, listen, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Don't mess about with five Ks. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, I missed the 10K last week because I was sick, but there was a 10K trail run around the Sugarloaf Mountain up the road, and my brother said he was up to his knees in bog at one stage. So, there you go. Oh, no. It's just like a running podcast. It's like one. <laughs> Except it's about coffee. Oh, um, is it? Yeah. Uh, so, you're not in Stafford anymore. No, no, I've left. Uh, at least my wife thinks I've left. Um yeah, she's moved somebody new in. And you're 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 at the moment calling us from um, Guatemala. I am, I am. Although I shouldn't be in Guatemala. No, I should be in Nicaragua. And explain the problem. I got on an aeroplane. Anything that involves me getting on an aeroplane turns into catastrophe. Yeah. So uh, there was a, a volcanic eruption in Antigua on Saturday from a volcano. Uh, from a volcano. I was in Antigua on Saturday while said eruption went on. Bang. Um, yeah. Uh, I got woken up at six o'clock in the morning with a, a loud rumble. I was like, what the heck? Oh, you can hear it. Stopped. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, it, and it didn't, didn't erupt until the afternoon, but it had been grumbling and burping for the last couple of days. And then it decided to spew a load of ash out all over the city. And I've never seen anything like it. It was, it was like it was snowing. But snowing grit, <laughs> wow! Um, sticking to your skin, stung your eyes. Had to wear sunglasses because otherwise the grit would just go in your eyes. Um, was I was like really excited to see it. It was like wow, this is great, and didn't think of the implications of aeroplanes can't fly when there's lots of grit and stuff in the air from volcanoes, as we remember from Iceland uh, a little while back. This happened to me. In, that was two thousand ten. Is that right? When Iceland went bang? I think so. It was during the SCAA, wasn't it? Yeah, because I remember I was literally on the way to the airport and uh, we about to go out the door and then I just heard on the radio that all the flights are cancelled. And Paul Stack called me and James Shepard called me and they were all supposed to be going to the... It was in... Um... Boston? No, no, no. It no. was An- Anaheim. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So flights are cancelled. And then about two hours later, I got a text from Paul Stack saying... Uh, perseverance always wins. I'm on your flight out of Dublin. And I was like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> and then about a week later, I was texting Paul Stack, who was still stuck in the US, saying, 
that's what perseverance gets you. <laughs> Enjoy the break. But they didn't get back for a week and a half. Yeah, I remember there was. Uh, I remember Twitter being alive with people just wandering around America, not knowing what to do. Um, yeah, and I'm wandering around Guatemala, not knowing what to do. I the, the beautiful thing of volcanoes erupting is that the airlines also decide that they're not paying for any of your expensive what, whatsoever, um, and they don't even have to rebook your flight. They do that because they want to. I was told yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm hopefully getting out of here this afternoon and it means that my trip to Nicaragua will, will be cut very short. I've got like a day and a half there. Um, but, hey, you know, this is what happens. And uh, when I get on an aeroplane, fun always ensues. So, yeah, I've just spent eight days in uh, El Salvador. And, um, yeah, I've got what, four days here, then two days in Nicaragua, then one day back in El Salvador and then back home and... No more flying for a little while, I hope. Well, that's a little bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of nice to have a day off in the middle because it's been fairly hectic. Um, yeah. I've enjoyed room service um, and I've got some clothes cleaned. So that was kind of nice. But still, I'd much rather be in Nicaragua. I remember talking to Kentaro Murayama about this. And like I think Kentaro was famous for uh, traveling 300 days a year or whatever daft number it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like what stuck with me was when he said that like the the comparable days that he spends on farms or at cupping tables or like doing high value work is really quite small. Yeah. And he said he spends most of his time transferring in Frankfurt or driving up a, a three day long trek up the side of you know mountain after mountain after mountain or just being in airports and taxis and stuff. And, um, is that a, like that seems to me like something that I would find incredibly frustrating? How do you deal with it? Uh, do you know? I think there are certain countries where that's a big issue. Say like Brazil. Um, you know, you just you, to get to a farm from another farm is a day and a half's travelling, and just huge. And that's why I don't really do any direct business in Brazil because the travelling between is just so hard. Well, I make um, up a fact. Make up a fact. Yeah, yeah. Brazil is twice as big as Europe. Yeah. Just oh. for scale. That's yeah, not true, was... but just it gives you an idea of how, that it's big. So like, I remember that I had to. I, I landed in Rio, and then I flew to Salvador to get closer to the farm. Uh, and I thought, oh, it can't be far. And then seven hours later, we pulled up on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this is this is crazy. Uh, that was to go to Bahia. Um, so like, there is a lot of that. There's a lot of transferring and travelling between. And uh, that's why I love El Salvador, because the great thing about El Salvador is... I can do give you a fact on that. It's the size of Wales, so not oh. the creature, the country. Um, and um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> well, everybody uses the white whale as a measurement, don't they? So, but that no, is the size of Wales, and you're never more than an hour away from a good steak. Um, and that's why it's my one of my favourite countries to travel to. Um, the steak in Wales is crap. I had steak in Wales; it was crap. Yeah, whale steaks. Yeah, no, not whale steaks. I had that in Norway. Um, yeah, I can see what you mean, I suppose, and it, yeah, it's, um, I don't and think there's I can other do that, though. Yeah, there's other countries, like Costa Rica's awesome, because you, you can literally do six or seven farms in a day, uh, you know, you go to Central Western Valley one day, do Tarazu the next day, it, I've done like 20 farms in two days. Um, You're like those, uh, those uh, if any Americans are listening, I mean this in a really nice way, but the American tourists that, that come into Dublin in busloads, and you're like... They, they might pop by for coffee or something and they're like they're doing 14 capital cities in Europe in 15 days and you're like yeah. how much can you possibly be seeing but you're like yeah, yeah. you're that yeah, and, and, coffee well it's, it's exactly the same thing as what Kentaro said I can't dedicate the, the days travelling that, that he can because my wife would definitely murder me yeah um, so I, I have to cram in uh, a lot into two weeks like this is the first year I'm not going to Costa Rica as well uh, and I've put an extra two days on. So I spent a long time in El Salvador this time. Next year, I probably won't spend as long there, and I'll spend more in Guatemala. And like, I'm trying to mix it up a little bit more to, to get the best out of the trips. Uh, but it's hard. It really here, is this, hard. Here, here's one I've not asked you before. Of all the, the countries that grow coffee, uh, and Wales, just since we've been talking about it, you can include them in it if you want. Which country that you've not been to would you like to go to? Coffee-growing country. Yeah, and Wales. 
You're allowed to say Wales, just for the fact of it. <laughs> Coffee-growing country I've not been to that I'd like to go to. Um, Yemen. Yemen. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. I'd love to do Yemen. I find, like, I, I tasted very little good coffee from Yemen. Um, I'm sure it must have good coffee. Uh, and with all the political difficulties of the country, and, and uh, I'm sure that doesn't help in the quality production of specialty coffee. Uh, but I'd love to visit Yemen. I think it would be an amazing place and super interesting. Because when people talk about the, um, the origins of, of, uh, of coffee and where coffee comes from originally, everybody talks about Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my understanding is that that makes the people of Yemen really angry. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion. I mean, Yemen, Yemen's super close. And it, the, the, some people, some people say that it could be that it was, um, you know, it, it was originating in Yemen. Certainly, the exportation of it was because of Yemen, because of the ports there. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of history of coffee in Yemen, and, and that's another reason I'd love to go. Now, Ethiopia was great, but everybody goes to Ethiopia. Nobody goes to Yemen. Um, so yeah, that'd be mine. Do they grow what coffee? Then? In Somalia, because Somalia is, is right by Ethiopia and Yemen. But I've not I don't know, but I am not going to Somalia. <laughs> Are you trying to kill me? Are you trying to get rid of me, Carl? Uh, I don't know. I think it could be interesting. <laughs> I would find it interesting if you went there. So I'm, I'm booking the flights. Off you go. Thanks. No worries. Uh, that's interesting. Yemen. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's off the cuff. I, I, if I, I'm going to think about it some more, and I may say something completely different next time. But uh, that's definitely somewhere I've, I, I want to go uh, in the near future. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a good answer. Yeah. Um, so you're heading off to uh, Nicaragua next. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Tonight. Hopefully. Did you see the way I said that, like a coffee person and not like an Irish person? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good at the, I'm not good at the coffee person pronunciation either. But Nicaragua. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, because that's what we say in Ireland, and I'm going to be laughed at if any Irish people hear me say that. Um, and uh, so, uh, uh, how accessible and um, what there must be a word that means how easy to get around. Accessibility. No, that means I don't know. It doesn't nail it. It kind of implies it, but not nailing it. Okay. I'm going to say no. Let me think of a word. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I listen. I visit a very small region, so like the the Gilatega region, uh, Matagalpa, uh, all very you know one place. I, I'm buying from six farms there from the same family, so it's the same people I meet up with for the whole trip. Um, I won't go to all six farms. I'll be I'll be lucky if I do one on this trip, but I'll cup at the mill, um, talk to them about what I want for this year, see. You know how things are there. Very easy to get around. I love Nicaragua as well. After travelling El Salvador and Guatemala, Nicaragua is like relatively safe by comparison. Yeah. Um, there's not, you know, it, you do fit El Salvador for me every year is getting a little bit worse. Uh, it's a little bit more unsafe. Uh, I don't, I don't feel as comfortable there as I did when I first visited. Um, Guatemala, the opposite. I think I feel Guatemala's kind of getting a little safer, um, and, and certainly. Somewhere like Antigua, I, I I have no qualms and concerns walking around Antigua at night. Whereas San Salvador, you wouldn't catch me walking around there at night for anything. But certainly not on my own. Um, so Nicaragua, I'm looking forward to because it's safe. It's easy to get around. Roads are fairly okay. Um, you know, and I say okay comparing them to places like Bolivia and stuff. Um, so what what do you do? What do you do for coffee? That sounds like a stupid question, but like. Um... Like, are there what especially coffee penetration at, at origin uh, isn't really? I suppose, like, you're not going to find a, a four barrel or a an intelligentsia or a caffeine it's, or anything. It's surprising. So, like, it, the, the hotel that I'm in here in Guatemala, uh, around about thirty meters away from the front door of my hotel, is Ellen Herto's uh, own cafe. Um, that doing a, I mean, a lot of the reason why it's 30 metres away and I chose this hotel because of that. But, yeah. um, you know, th- there are some coffee shops starting to emerge in producing countries that have, you know, doing amazing things. We all know of Viva Espresso in El Salvador that, you know, do a great job and, and, and you know, I think... Uh, we could uh, call it a stable, couldn't we? We could, we could. A stable, um, although some of the horses have run away from the stable, I hear. Uh, really? The door was open. Well, I, 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 uh, I believe Alejandro... Um, 
WBC champion 2011, yeah. um, has gone to do his own thing um, uh, and has left Viva, which was uh, a bit of a shock. Because uh, wow. uh, Viva I, Espresso, for, the, like, for those that don't know, that's like, it's Federico Balanas and then like Lily Pacas is, is uh, his wife and they've, like she was a former El Salvador Barista champion. 2008 champion, yes. Then you have uh, obviously um, Alejandro, you have uh, William uh, Hernandez, is that his yes, name? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. William has also left uh, here too to go on to new pastures. Um, oh. So, hey, these things happen. I mean, you've had great baristas come to 3FE and leave, and, and it that does. It does. Actually, we were, I was, you were with Pete Williams there in, uh, in El Salvador, and Pete worked with us at 3FE and obviously doesn't anymore. Um, and but I remember when he handed it as notice, I was like, you know, the part of me was like, well, you competed in the Barista Championship, you won a national Barista Championship. There's a massive likelihood that you're going to hand in your notice. I don't know. I think it's people achieve something and then they get they get this desire to kick on. You know what I mean? And then a lot, an awful lot of the time, it's difficult to do that within the scope of somebody else's business. So, I mean, it's it's not unheard of. It happens. I'd love to see some statistics, like. Yeah. How many Brisses have won a national championship working for somebody else and then continue to work there more than a year later? Well, I think the only one that we can, in recent memory, was Alejandro. You know, if you look at, um, you know, James was working for La Spaziale in 2007 and went and set his own business up uh, with Annette. And then you've got I 2008. I love Yeah. <laughs> 2008, you'd got um, uh, Stimo. Yeah. Uh, he left for Intelligentsia. And then 2009, you've got... Gwillem, uh, who was working for himself, but is doing very different things now. 2010, you've got Mike Phillips, who left Intelligentsia to set up Handsome. 2011, you've got Alejandro. 2012, you've got Raul, who yeah, I don't yeah. think Raul ever works, so he can't leave anywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I pick on Raul because I've just spent uh, three days with him, and uh, I'm actually going for coffee with him in half an hour. Um, to uh, at Ellen Herto, and uh, he's opening his coffee shop here in Guatemala City as well. So he's doing his own thing and set up his own roastery. Um, you know, and 2013 champion Hiddy still. Uh, oh, no, oh. 2013 Pete Licarda. Uh, yeah, sorry, he actually yeah. just tweeted today that he's um, he's doing his own thing. I, I suppose he was working as a consultant for himself, sort of yeah. thing. But um, I think it's a uh, it's becoming more uh, official, shall we say. Right, and then Hiddy is uh, obviously still with uh, Mariama Coffee, and uh, who knows? There you go, pressure's on. Yeah, so <laughs> Pete Licata, one hour ago, tweeted, working on a new business right now, stay tuned for more. So there you go. It's the great leveller, this barista competition. So if your staff win barista competition, just fire them before they get a chance to leave, <laughs> is my advice. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, like, it's it's good that, I suppose, we, they need that, that, the thing about, that always struck me about Guatemala, um, and especially coffee scene there, uh, from speaking to Raul, was that it's illegal to import coffee into Guatemala. No, so uh, this is a shock thing that I was talking to Raul about yesterday, that he's done some more investigating, um, and there is no law that stops really? it happening. Yeah, yeah, there's taxes, and you can get tax on it, but there's no law. Um, and he he tried to import some coffee from Colombia. Uh, it didn't work out. But apparently in Guatemala, you can import coffee. In, in El Salvador, I know that it's forbidden to import green coffee. Yeah. But in Guatemala, apparently it is possible. Uh, Very interesting. Yeah, because he's, he's plans, you know, he, he would love to bring some different coffees in and just to show people, particularly with his opening his, his new store and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's all, all, it is all possible. Yeah. If I was a professional, I would think of a segue here to get this into this next topic. But since nobody's paying for this, um, I'm just going to jump right into it. There's been lots of uh, activity online. I think mostly through uh, Gwilym Davies and Matt Perger, a lot of more uh, educational focused uh, kind of videos and sign ups. Have you been uh, keeping a hold of these things? Or I have. Um, I signed up for the Barista Hustle email i got it come through last week but because i'm traveling i've i forwarded it to my other address to look at when i get home so i have a because yeah. I, I wanted to give it the time and uh, uh dedication it deserved um, just if you haven't gotten the second one yet anyone that's listening that you might want to check your spam because the first one hit my inbox and the second one hit my spam so um mind you i did have a matt perger straight to spam thing yeah yeah no we yeah. all have that yeah um, uh, but yeah it might end up there uh, but they, it's it seems 
uh, it, it, they both kind of happened at the same time, which is interesting. And they, I suppose they're both being very supportive of each other, which is also really cool. But I bet you they're super, super competitive about this. <laughs> I can't imagine Gwillem ever being competitive about stuff like that. I think he... Matt, Matt definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I agree. I think, you know, everybody <clears> wants <throat> to, to be in there and, and, and do their be the best one but it's great that that's out there have you read Matt's one so far because yeah, so yeah. I haven't and yes yeah, it's very impressive uh, it's the, the second one um, I've it's actually he's, he, the email is, is kind of referring to different articles one of them is where an article that Maxwell uh, Colin the Dashwood put up recently that's also worth a read so I'm hopeful that this is going to start a lot more of the online information stuff because we've just been in this a real slump for the last two years I'm going to say of just blogs dying, it's just all gone to Twitter. So maybe we're coming back. There's more podcasts <coughs> like this one, um, and yeah, like well, you you're the only one that really kept it going. Thank you, thank yeah. you. <laughs> but then credit, mine was credit never where indi- credits demanded. Well, my, yeah, well, mine was never industry focused either. Mine's very much at the, the the home the home consumer much more than the industry professional. But it's great that we've got that stuff started again. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, BGE. I've heard lots of positive things that they plan to do. The Euro uh, Guild. Yes, yes. The Euro Guild, as you like to refer to it as. as I think everybody likes to refer to it as that. Um, Do so, they? Yeah, a little bit. And the, your your Coffee 101 is one that consistently customers come to me and say, oh, I got the Coffee 101 with Steve. Is it Hasbeam 101 or Coffee 101? Coffee 101. Yeah, Coffee 101. .co.uk. Uh, yeah, and that's the amount of people that do, all the staff that started 3FE at some stage come to me and go, oh, I, I signed up to that Coffee 101 thing. And it's a great starter. Like, I mean, most people listening to this will probably be lost in them, but like, it's a good, um, it's just a good basic... Uh, nuts and bolts kind of get your foot in the door sort of stuff you know I've had 40,000 people sign up to, up to I have 40,000 people's email addresses that I That's don't know what the heck to do the weekend. no no we get we got 44 this weekend oh really okay yeah bad research um, but yeah it's well we were actually away this weekend but it was the weekend before when we were at home uh, but yeah it's like it's an introduction into kind of, you know, I, I, I worry sometimes I, when I wrote that particularly, because it's a few years ago that we did lots of industry stuff. There was an awful lot out there, you know, Jim Seven's blog's famous for that kind of industry led focus stuff. There was yeah. Porter filter, you know, and there was all of these kind of industry led things, but there was nothing consumer led. That's like, this is coffee and it grows on a tree and this is the history of it. And this is how it grows. And this is processing. Um, and I felt that that was important. It actually needs a bit of an update, so I shouldn't really be proposing it in any way because it's been a few years since I've looked at it. But it's it's you know, it's a bit of fun, and it's a good way to get the average consumer a basic knowledge to start learning from. And I think there needs to be more of that, and that's why it's great that you know Matt and Gwillem are doing this aimed at those industry people because we did stop those conversations. Yeah, Gwillem is, is on his latest thing is advising or warning people not to touch his rim. Is, <laughs> um, yeah. It's a uh, advice I'm, I've never needed. Uh, but yeah, it is what it, yeah, it's. I've seen him attack people for like, like we're in a coffee shop of some dude who we don't know and we don't have any of the staff. And he's like, "What are you doing? Get your fucking eyes off the fucking river, the cop!" And it's like, "Whoa, dude, you don't know these people." And he does go off on one when he sees it. But it's a uh, yeah, it's one of those little important things. Who was it who used to maul the cup in barista competition? Like literally maul it. That like was fingers me. Inside. Oh, that was you. That's no, no, right. that was the it was the underside though. That was fine. This is I see. To my mind, there's an equator on a coffee cup, uh, and once your hands are south of that equator, it's fine. Because we've had, we have lefties in the shop, you know, and they can't do a weird like twisty arm thing to try and because we want the coffee presented. Okay, if they're pouring a milkshake, it needs to be presented so that the handle is on the right. Because the vast majority of customers are right-handed. That's why we present cups. Okay. And it's difficult to do that if you're left-handed. So the only way they can manage to do it is if they hold the bottom of the cup. So I, I, I'm allowing people to hold the bottom of the cup, as long as it doesn't go north of that equator. You're so anti-left-handed people. Just... I know. Um, no, there, there is definitely somebody in British competition we used to mock, I think is the word, and that's why you can't remember their name. But, you um, mock everybody in Bristol competitions. No, there was somebody that used to really like maul the cup to bits, like fingers inside and all sorts. Oh, uh, We'll talk about it when we finish recording anyway. Okay. Uh, I try to remember. But um, 
No, I th- you know, like information is everything. That's why we've always done the tamper tantrum stuff. You know, is that 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 information, and not necessarily, you know, the podcast, which is a, a more informal, what's happening in coffee type stuff. But you know, the videos that are going up regularly. There was another one went up uh, a couple of weeks ago as well um, from uh, Manchester. It was uh, Sankos, which is yes. is now live. People should definitely go watch that. Quality um, control. Are they all up yet, or how many? No, they're going there? up every two weeks. Yeah. So I didn't want to overload everybody with just splurging them up. So there's another one due out next Monday, which will be from uh, Asia Tour, which will be the best speaker that we had on the Asia Tour. Like the best presentation by far. This is yours? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is Ross Brown's up yet? No, no, that's going to be the next one. That's the one after mine. So I Ross has a very like... tough act to follow. I, okay, this is, I think it's going to be divisive, but I really, really loved Ross's talk. I think anyone that runs a coffee shop will love it. Anyone that doesn't will be like, I don't think they'll like it. And okay. I think that was with respect, respect to Ross. I think it's just, it's aimed at people that want to open a coffee shop or who own a coffee shop or who used to own a coffee shop. And it just, it touched a lot of raw nerves. I, I really enjoyed it. So I think you should definitely get listening to that. Um, where are you off to next? You're going to El Salvador, sorry? No, no you're going I, to Canagra and then you're going to El Salvador. Back, back to El Salvador for like one day. Because uh, I, I messed up all my travel plans and I didn't have a chance to go and see Carmen and Rafael da Silva from Lafani and Siberia and stuff. So um, I'm going to go and see them for a, a day before shooting back home. Okay. And then where are, like, all we, I heard about last year was uh, was Roya. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, it's very much the topic still, uh, and particularly in El Salvador. Like, El Salvador is... Like so, there's a number of things that make El Salvador a huge problem for Roya. So, one, the plant stock is very old. So they're living on eighty, ninety year old bourbons a lot of the farms, you know, even yeah. older some. So old plant tissue is particularly susceptible to uh, to Roya. Uh, bourbon is particularly susceptible to Roya, and El Salvador is one of the very few countries in the world that is incredibly. Uh, reliant on uh, one varietal. Um, there's, 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 a, there's a problem in cocoa at the minute. It's, it's 85% of their plant stock. Isn't it? 70%, I think, was, was the last figures I heard. Like from, But they're, they're change, a lot of it is changing, a lot of it because of Roya, um, that people are just having to, to, to rip it out. So th- there's a problem in cocoa at the minute, where in cocoa there's only one varietal, or I'm not allowed to say varietal any, anymore, am I? Variety. So, cultivar. There's one um, cultivar. I think that's what I'm, I'm meant to say. But I'm going to say variety because I like to be awkward. Um, Call it cultivar. <laughs> um, in in cocoa, there's only one you know, cultivar. Uh, and they are having a massive problem with pests. Like Coffee has very little problems compared to a lot of other crops that have less uh, cultivars um, to, to go with. But El Salvador is very reliant on it. Also, El Salvador gets mainly a lower price in Central America than a lot of the other countries. So there's not as much money for fertilization. There's not as much money for replanting and there's not as much money to combat Roya when it starts. Yeah. And it's just, it's devastating. I mean, and then to the, the point is, of, if, if you oh, don't, if you don't, okay. So if you do everything you possibly can, because there's certain things you can do to protect the roots and things, if none of that matters, if your neighbor has done nothing. Well, I mean, what it does, it means that, your farm doesn't die. So if you don't do anything, the farm will die. You know, that's yeah. So people are fighting battles that they're just having to keep fighting over and over again because, you know, it's spread very easily by foot, by wind, you know, by, by having the same conditions as your neighbour. So even if, you know, the reason your neighbour's got it is the conditions are ideal to get it there. Um, so, that, you know, you're very likely to be susceptible to it as well. And, um, you know, it's just devastating. I was talking to one of the... One of the guys, not somebody we buy from, but but somebody who's very well known and respected in El Salvadorian coffee, and he was saying like he's give up on bourbon. It's dead to him now. He says he just if he carries on trying, he's going to lose his farm. He's going to you know he's not going to have an income. So he's giving up on it, um, and that's really sad because I kind of always assume you know I always when I think of El Salvador I think of bourbon. You know, yeah, it, it's one of the few countries that is very driven by its its uh, its variety so it's it's really sad i mean the, the, the positives are like he's saying he's given up on bourbon but he's he's going to start doing pacas uh pacas seems to be a lot more re- rust resistant than bourbon 
It's um, quite genetically close, though. It's pretty much the well, same. Well, it's a mutation. It's just yeah. a mutation of it's it's a it's a Villa Sarchi of Costa Rica. You know, it's a, it's just a natural mutation of a uh, Mundo Novo of um, uh, Brazil. You know, it, it's just natural mutation that's happened there. So, uh, you know, it is it's still a, a, a relevant varietal to that that country. Uh, so, not all is lost. Um, and Pacamara seem to be doing really well in spite of the rust. And again, yeah. I'm guessing that's the Pacas uh, element so, of it. They're, they're exhibiting a little bit more resistance to to, uh, to rust arroyo than, um, than a Bourbon would. Yes, yes. That's interesting. And then the other problem The, the difficulty is at the other end, though, because it's, it's a lot easier to, to roast and pull shots of Bourbon. Like, for specialty coffee, it's, it seems to be that, like... As long as you're, you're reasonably... On top of what you do, you can roast those coffees and you can pull shots of those coffees. But Pacamaras are different. Like, that yeah. might solve the farmer's problem, but I don't think it's going to solve many problems for roasters and baristas. No. No, I mean, Pacamaras are a, a, a nightmare to roast. And, and, you know, you've told me about what a nightmare they are to, to dial in and get right and, and, and to, to get the best. I, I wouldn't know. I don't use espresso machines. But uh, roasting-wise, they, they take a lot of development. I mean, we spend... We waste a lot of coffee trying to get... Pacamara is right, and it's the one that when you're learning to roast, you know, is the real challenge. Like once you've nailed that one, you feel like a big grown-up roaster. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not the ideal, but um, it's is what it, the has it improved to last year at all, or is it? It seems worse, and I think the other problem is is that <clears throat> the country is much more unstable now. So uh, it feel there's a lot more corruption, kind of theft going on, and because say your next door neighbour isn't spraying and his yield is massively dropped. He's waiting till the night time and going in your farm and stealing the crop. Like one guy was saying he lost 30% of his crop to thieves. Um, like for four days, they turned up every day with a team of pickers and trucks and were just raping his farm at night. They were just taking the coffee out and stealing it. Um, one of my visits to Santa Ana uh, with one of the producers, he wouldn't go up on his own. We had to go up with two guys, one with a handgun, one with a shotgun. Uh, and while we were walking wow. around the farm, one was stood by the car and one followed us around everywhere we went uh, because he was concerned that he didn't want me to come to any harm up on the farm. Like, the country's in a really difficult place. Um, but what's changed? Like, is it, is it the, is the political climate has changed? Or? Politically, there's a, there's a very strong leaning towards the left. I mean, there's elections going on for the Senate at the moment in El Salvador and the, there's a... There's a very strong left-leaning thing going on. There's also, uh, that's been a a gradual thing, an increasing influence from Venezuela. So Venezuela have been lending a lot of money to the El Salvadorian government, um, which, you know, is a a, a dictatorship and, again, very left-leaning. So there's all sorts of problems going on and it's it's a shame because it's such a beautiful country and such a amazing it's a sad history there. as well though you don't want those days coming back again no no and that that's you know when you talk to uh, a lot of the producers are landowners if you're a landowner in El Salvador you're fairly wealthy like let's not beat around the bush yeah. some of these people are, are wealthy people and they're saying that they're starting to consider selling up you've seen a lot of far, like every like every half a mile as I was going up Santrana um Everybody I went with, that farm's for sale. That farm's just been bought. That farm's for sale. Uh, the Pacas family, uh, Federico from Santa Patrona, he's just bought a new farm because there was an abandoned farm there and the people have moved out. It, it, it's it's a difficult time. Wow, that is sad. Yeah, and a country that we both love as well. I mean, I think that's a, that's a really sad part, that we've both got very special attachment to the place and uh, some of the producers from there. Um, but... On the positive note, we did a lot of cuppings there. There was a lot of great coffee coming out. Um, we're seeing uh, increases in yield on some of the farmers that ha- were hit last year. Um, like One guy, 90% last year, wiped out. Um, he's back up to where he was three years ago uh, and, and on the increase. And we're seeing more of that. So there are some positives. It's not all doom and gloom. And I don't want it to make, like, make it sound terrible, but it's definitely changed. Yeah, I remember in Mar- Marta's presentation from Manchester, um, she showed a picture of a sign that her uncle had put up on the coffee farm, and it was a it, I, I can't remember the wording on it, but it's it's worth going and looking at because it was a real call to arms for all coffee farmers to say, look, 
Roya is happening. This is uh, making our situation difficult. But what we need to do is to improve together. And this is um, this is an opportunity for us. And trying to like, yeah, trying to help people admit that yes, there's a problem here. But you know, this is an opportunity. With every time you're you're faced with such adversity, there's always an opportunity somewhere. So everybody needs to bandy together. So. I know. I felt that that part of a presentation was really, um, really inspiring to see the the hard work that's going into it. And if um, people weren't there to see it, it is up on tampatantrum dot com. It is another part. <clears throat> another thing that kind of uh, I suppose slipped by last time. I, I meant to talk about it, and we didn't. And I suppose in the sense, it's it's it is sort of uh, linked to the problems that are there with um with uh in in south america with with roya and, and other issues like that is is coffee kids and coffee kids has um well to all intents and purposes has wound itself up it, it's no longer doing what it does yeah it's um so i mean i saw nick nick cho came out with a tweet when it was announced you know and, and kind of very sad and um back podcasting we mentioned it last time but you know uh Mark Prince from Coffee Geek is back podcasting again, which is fantastic. And um, a little bit of the reason I wanted to talk about this one today was that Mark's, you should definitely go listen to it. It's very passion, passionate and, and quite emotional um, thing about Coffee Kids. And uh, I'm going to be kind of quite controversial on it. I like being controversial, you know me. You do. Um, but I think that Coffee Kids kind of, these things disappear for a reason. And I've been a supporter of Coffee Kids. I've given a, a number of times where we, we did some, some fundraising stuff. It's just, it's, it was always the go-to charity because there wasn't another coffee charity really to compete yeah. with it. So, you know, at UKBC, we auctioned a load of coffee off and, and we, you know, we raised a heap for, for it then. And I know that um, like Coffee Geek has done a yearly Christmas thing where they've raised like thousands of pounds and or thousands of dollars and, and, and sent it off. And I recently uh, it, paid for a brew class from Jeremy Chandler. Um, I think I paid like 300 quid or something for it. Yeah. For Coffee Kids at, at Manchester. I'm still going to go and do the course though. <laughs> um, but I think the reason it's failed was it just... It, it was a very narrow focus that it had, and it didn't really like. There's a great opportunity with coffee, I think, to to make it very uh, to to make it a personal kind of project. So, in, in Mark's talk, he, in on on the podcast, he talks about how that they've raised money for uh, a school that they're doing um, in um, I think it was Nicaragua, um, but they're, they're basically they're, they're, they're you know they were running this particular project, and all the money that they'd raised from their fundraiser was just for this project. And I think that was the trick that Coffee Kids almost missed and the reason that it kind of just, people have stopped remembering it's there because you gave money to Coffee Kids, but you never knew what kind of happened to it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and unless you have that connect, it's very difficult for people to go, and I'm going to give some more, and I'm going to give some more, and I'm going to give some more. And people just gave some and then kind of stopped because... Yeah, that's kind of my impression of it, is that like Coffee Kids is... It's like, okay, we're going to have an event and, you know, usually what we do with events is that, like, we charge people something just so they'll come. You know, like, if, if you yeah. say it's a free event, nobody fucking comes. Yeah. You charge a fiver and everybody that says they're going to come and everybody buys a ticket will come. And a lot of the time it's like, I think, um, you kind of like, oh, I see this the world over. It's like, oh, what we do with the money? I'll just give it to coffee kids. Every time there's a Bristol competition, oh, we're going to have a raffle at the end. Why? Oh, just because that's his own thing. What we do with the money, we give it to Coffee Kids. And it was this ever-present thing. And every event that I've always been to, there was always a member of Coffee Kids or somebody representing Coffee Kids that would be like, oh, can you come and do this raffle for us? Or can we, do you have a T-shirt we can do? And there was always this like last-minute surge of kind of activity because there was something to do with Coffee Kids to raise money. And everybody was always very keen to get behind it. What I never saw was anything after that. Like, where yeah. and what did they do? I have no idea what Coffee Kids did. Well, I think the other thing is it should also be like American Coffee Kids because it's all Central South America, which is great. But, like, I almost think that we need something that is more embracing. And not, listen, Coffee Kids is really important, but I think you have Coffee Kids when you have coffee, the coffee charity. And then you have a Coffee Kids charity that you can kind of focus down on or whatever. But we need something more... 
you know, I, I, I would be much more happier uh, kind of focusing on, you know, coffee producers that can't afford to have his own wet milk and helping them to do that or, you know, pre-financing somebody. So it's not necessarily just giving the money and saying, oh, there we go. But it's like, we'll give you some money, get you pay it back, and then we can give more money to other people and something that fulfills yeah. itself kind of thing. Well, um, look, there was Coffee Kids officially ceased activities at the end of December of this year. I and think in the, the statements, they don't really make any uh, any reference to what they're going to do in future or why it was closed or the reasons behind it. It just it, it cites financial difficulties of some sort and then says that they look forward to partnering with other similar charities in future to somehow channel that goodwill towards uh, people that are in need of, of, of support, which is a really good thing. What I'm thinking is that at this point, the group that should step in should be WCE or should be SCAA or SAE or like those national sort of bodies because... There's a huge opportunity there for somebody to uh, to take up this mantle and be that internationally recognised source of of uh, charity for coffee and like there's a huge desire for it there and I think the, the like WC are well placed for that or SAE or SAA uh, I'd love to see that happen. Me too, and I'd like to see something more. Uh, not just not like listen, kids. Kids are really important. I'm not saying that kids aren't really important. I like them. I I have one myself. I wholeheartedly recommend them. I used but to be one. I did. I did. Oh, I, I I have experience of it. But um, I I'd like something more encompassing that not only looks after the kids but looks after everybody and 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 has a bigger remit. And you, I think you're exactly right. And I'd not thought about it till you say it said that. But like SCAE, SCAA, or WCE should definitely be the organisations picking that mantle up and going, okay, we'll run this. And it would take one person to coordinate yeah. it, you know? Because um, the infrastructure's already there. And I'm going to go as far as to say that they're obliged to do it. Can I do that? You can. Yeah, go I'm going to say they're obliged to do it. I don't know what, on what authority, but I like it. Well, I don't know. But like it's, if, if you're supposed to represent a world body and we're all paying subscription fees, then there has to be... Like if that they are that world representing body, then I don't know. I think that there's it's it, it, one comes to the other. I think it's it's definitely because it's a huge thing. Wherever coffee is grown in the world, you can guarantee that there is poverty, and you can guarantee that coffee at some point in that country's history has created a really really shitty situation for the people that live there. There's a lot of really really sad stuff that's happened in the coffee industry that we don't really talk about. And if we're going to go and and develop this industry, then we do owe that um, that the people from those country. I mean, there has to be some sort of support structure that we can come in to recompense for all those things that have happened in some small way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I, and I love the fa- I lo- I love the opportunity that we have to help people to help themselves as well. I think that that that's the opportunity that's been missed in you know the, the coffee world for a while. That people don't really want charity. You know, they'd much rather help themselves out of it. And if we can do things like pre-financing things like building something for the, the you know the community uh, as a whole in a coffee producing community not just focusing on one one area of it uh, i think it would be much better i'm saying all of those things i am really sad to see coffee kids go um, yeah well, it's, know, obviously not a good thing. it's not and their work has been amazing and we should not uh, in any way disrespect the, the amazing work that they've done over the years but i think this is an opportunity we should look at it as a okay this has failed why has it failed and i think it's it's failed because it's not connected it's not connected with the specialty coffee people you know it, it, or you know we've just done it and we haven't really felt part of it uh, and you have to do that you have to include people and you ha- you know you have to feed back and have a very kind of this is what's happening this is the work that we're doing um and once a year they'd send me a little letter they sent me a like through the post i used to get like a little newsletter but it didn't really tell me a great deal of what was going on and, and i think that was the missed opportunity uh, but we also we, we have a chance to do something bigger and better and uh, yeah i'm not doing it but i'm very willing to help <laughs> yeah it's interesting because like as the last few uh, years was my, my perspective on what we want from from national and international coffee organisations such as WCE and SAA and SAE has, I suppose, changed with, as you get to know the groups more, more often. I think two areas that we should, that I'd like to see more growth are this, like um, the engagement in, in the, the more charitable side of things and how we can, we can help in those ways. And then also, uh, I think that we sh- they, they should be doing a lot more um, kind of uh, creating dialogue at, at national level. So engaging with governments. Like we, me and you have spoken a lot about the problems with Bolivia and 
how Bolivian coffee farmers are dropping away, just growing coca instead. And there's there's no like you can't rock up to the to the Bolivian consulate and say I'm Steve Layton, I roast Bolivian coffee. I want to talk to you about your agricultural policy. Uh, yeah. But an international coffee body could do that, and I think that's something else that we would like to see a lot more of. Well, you see, I mean, this is what I feel our um, our coffee association should be. They they should give us a what they what they currently do is give us a chance to associate, which is nice. We have a conference and we have educational events. Throw down, uh, yeah, <laughs> and we we have competitions, um, and they should lobby. They should lobby on behalf not of like the big coffee guys, because that seems to be the big issue where they're looking at, you know, the, 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 the commercial stuff, but the smaller, you know, smaller roasters, the, the, the smaller coffee shop owners, like lobbying for them to, to get good. And we don't do any lobby, lobbying at specialty, you know, with our specialty coffee associations. SCAA, I believe is a bit better at it, but SCAE is rubbish. Like, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and they should be doing much more of that. Um, and they should be doing much more of investing in the you know the the, the growing uh, the growing origins and and then helping there and that all comes under that charity umbrella I guess and um, I'd can like to really, see them do more. Can I be really naughty? Yeah. Can I even dare to mention the fact that the two bodies are, are merging or that's it's it's a top secret. But I've been told this is top secret by about fifty people for the last two years. And it's about time somebody just went fucking did it. Like it's well, it's not. It's, so so basically, <laughs> what what, what the, I believe the official line is is that they are looking at the opportunities of how the two organisations could come together. That's as much as it is. Um, but the goal and the remit is the same. It's only the yeah. people that are the problem. Oh, it should have happened years ago. It really should. It doesn't have. make it's, any sense. Like it's. It doesn't make any sense. If the well, WCE was the first step towards that. That's exactly why WCE was created, was to try and merge the two together and to take the responsibilities away. And I think that was that was stage one of the merger. Just um, do it. Just do yeah. it. Like next Monday, open up and say, yeah, we're all together. Just do it. Uh, but then some people would lose their jobs and some people... Focus, just do it. Oh, I, I, I'm, I, I believe a lot of the people should lose their jobs, so I'd be quite comfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> And on that bombshell, I think we can uh, we can wrap this up before we say anything else. Terrible. Oh I can't no! You said that. We, why? Well, I don't what know. do you I, think? Okay, so uh, do you think our specialty coffee association is doing a good job? Um, we see. Well, no, Steve. In fairness, what I had done was really clever. I waited until you said something more controversial than what I said, and then I closed it and I wrapped everything up. Now that was really clever on my behalf. And don't so, make me say anything. I'm that, asking you a question. Do that, you think they're doing a good just, job? Do we, have any, do we have any time left? Yeah, we do. We have loads of time oh, left. God. Do I think they're doing a good job? Uh, no. So, if you're not doing a good job, if what well, if you are not doing a good job in your coffee shop, the first thing that happens is customers don't come in. The second thing is you lose your job and your shop closes. Okay. Do you know who Pat Lamb is? No. So, Pat Lamb is... Um, uh, the rugby coach of Connacht Rugby. Okay. And I listened to him speak on the off the second captain's sports podcast. I, I'm listening listen. to those. I am. I'm yeah, working through go them. back. Yeah, there's one about Connacht. You'll see Connacht and mention that and he speaks in it. And he speaks about motivation and one of his things, he's really into motivation and creating culture and, and one of his things is like he makes all the players shake hands and no matter where they are, even if they pass each other in the street on a Saturday night, they still have to cross the road and shake hands with each other. Like this is how they greet each other. All these little small things. But he talks about culture about motivating about uh, leaders and about goals and all these other things and how you control it now i have to think here because i might get this wrong okay so if i do get it wrong we'll i'll say it again we can edit it back in but from what i can recall okay his approach to this was that he creates um the vision okay the leaders drive uh the culture and the culture drives the performance okay does that make sense yeah and that's, that's the way you do it. So maybe I think what we're missing is that there's no culture, but you can't, or there's no performance, but focusing on the performance is not good enough because you're not fixing the problem. You're just fixing what's in that exact instant. So what you need to have all the way through the system is that you need to have a clear and defined goal. You need to have leaders within that goal. Those leaders will drive the culture and then the culture will drive the performance. And I think the things that people tend to give out about the SAE and the SAA or the WC, whatever, is the performance saying, oh, you know, there wasn't enough tables there or, you know, the fucking thing wasn't organized well enough or, 
they, we didn't get the email about the stuff and that's all performance related stuff but what we need is at the higher end of thing we need people that are going to drive uh, that are going to bring leadership to it and going to in, in, uh, drive the culture does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm does. rambling a little bit, but I think you're getting what I'm saying. I think so. I think so. But I think the other part is it's also the focus. So the focus from listen, and I'm from the outside in, or you know, I, I don't. But the focus for me seems to be we do education courses because it's a great way to make money. Like it's not we do education <laughs> courses because they're really good to improve specialty coffee, which is their remit. Their remit as an association is to. It seems to we do it to make money. Um, and and the things like you know, we just talked about one like the the Bolivian coffee situation is a perfect example of the Specialty Coffee Association of America and of Europe should be going to Bolivia and say you know what can we do to to help with this what what can we do to fix this so it's a better thing and maybe the Bolivian government and the agricultural policy they don't care and and that is probably some of the feeling of it but you look at like Roya in El Salvador, and you look and say, okay, what can we do as an organisation? Because this is going to ultimately affect everybody in the association. If El Salvador stops growing bourbon, stops growing coffee, you know, yield is down, you know, it's it's over halved. It's like 40% yield of what they would normally expect. Like, that should be the association going out and doing that stuff. And what we're doing is we're selling, you know, uh, barista, barista courses because they make some money for us. Um, and I don't know yeah. whether they—it's necessarily the focus. Um, you know, we should be doing more educational events. Rico's coming up. You know, we're seeing Rico come, where it's like seven hundred and fifty euro a ticket. I thought I'd paid to go to the event, the SCAE event in the first place. Didn't realise I got to pay again to go and see. You know, to be educated by my uh, specialty coffee association. You know, that's why I was a member. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the focus is very wrong. I think there's a lot of focus on making sure that the organisation makes money. Um, and, uh, yeah, no. what can you do? When are we going to start doing dial-ins on this? Oh, soon, soon. I mean, I would we could do them sooner, but it was, would just would have been impossible with the distance and me being yeah. away. But I would love to get somebody on for the next one to come and talk. It's a podcast in itself. Yeah, who are we going to get? Who should be our first guest? Um, okay, so we, we have a choice. Well, we don't have a choice. We have a choice of who we could ask, whether they say yes or not. David Veal, James Hoffman, Cosmo Libardo, or Peter Giuliano. I'd listen to any of those people all day long. Cool. I'll get digging. Okay. It was wonderful to talk to you. I hope that you make it out of Nicaragua. Guatemala. Yeah, well, I obviously hope you make it out of Nicaragua as well. Yeah, they haven't got any volcanoes going off yet. Yet, but if if we look back in recent history, there is a 100% correlation between your presence and volcanoes going off. (laughs) There's a 100% correlation between travel disaster and me being part of it. Yeah, there definitely is. Well, I, I wish you well in all of your endeavours and I will continue to sit at home in comfy locations such as Dublin. Yeah, don't worry, I've got you all your coffee. I'll bring yeah. it back with me. Yeah, 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 just keep it coming. Don't give me any details. <laughs> okay, on that one, um, I apologise for the editing on this one. We had a couple of dropouts on there. Um, I'd also like to thank uh, Fifth Spear, who has provided the music at the start and the end of the podcast. I think it's very cool, and I like him very much. He's also a customer of ours and a customer of Waterloo Tea in Cardiff, and he's a very cool guy. So Very cool indeed. Okay, over and out. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you.